My brothers and sisters in the Lord, if we take a moment to think about it, oftentimes food controls our daily lives. Whether we're talking about what we're preparing for dinner, or whether we're eating lunch and thinking about what we're going to have for dinner. But food has a large control over us in many situations. I was reading recently in one of these news articles about a gentleman who had, let's just say, a wide girth. And so he was going into the hospital to have one of those procedures where they staple and they tie your stomach. And so he went in and he had the procedure and about 48 hours later he got hungry. And so he was still in the hospital and so he went and he raided the hospital refrigerator. And he actually ate so much that the banding and the staples broke in that one city. He ended up suing the hospital for half a million dollars claiming that they should have locked the refrigerator. His case was thrown out. But certainly, my friends, food can have a very large control over us. I remember my grandmother very um, often used to say in a joking way, coffee is what gets me up in the morning, but certainly chocolate makes it all worthwhile. The whole notion of food, the enjoyment of food. And certainly, my brothers and sisters, we see that as we have progressed through the Gospels over the last several Sundays. Last week, we had the feeding of the multitudes where Jesus multiplied the five loaves and the two fish and they were fed. Their bellies were filled. And then Jesus goes off to pray. And we notice at the end of that gospel last week, they wanted to make Jesus king. And certainly in their mind, they were thinking an earthly king reestablishing the kingdom of Israel and Jesus was thinking of a whole different type of kingdom. The kingdom of God that is already here and not yet. The kingdom of God that is always breaking into the world. And as the gospel picks up today, they're searching for Jesus as he's went to the other side of the lake, now in Capernaum. And they finally found him. And when they find him, Jesus has something interesting to say to them. They asked Jesus, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus says to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not work for food that perishes, but for food that endures for life eternal. You see, my brothers and sisters, they saw Jesus almost as a walking vending machine. We had our tummies filled and we're looking for a little bit more. And Jesus is using that particular image to bring them into a deeper reality. The food that does not perish, but the food that leads us to eternal life. Certainly, my friends, the giving of his very self, which we celebrate here on this altar as we receive his body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. But we note, my brothers and sisters, that when the people first came, they were looking for earthly food, for food that perishes. Yesterday, I read a study that they estimate that in our entire lifespan, we spend 35,000 hours eating. 35,000 hours. 
I think there's a little caveat, unless you're born in New Orleans. We probably spend a little bit more time eating. But 35,000 hours was the average. So this food. But you see, my brothers and sisters, oftentimes we work not for the food that endures, but oftentimes we're working for the food that perishes as we're concerned about whether it's organic food or whether it is grass-fed cattle whether it came from Whole Foods or Rouse's or here or there. We're working for the food that perishes. And oftentimes, my friends, that leaves a very deep emptiness within us. It leaves a very deep emptiness within us that we notice that nothing physical here on this earth can fill. And oftentimes, we try to fill that emptiness, we try to fill that void with all sorts of things. Money and power prestige, recognition, our work, whatever it may be. We try to look for that fulfillment, but nothing is there. I remember many years ago when I was an undergraduate, when I was an undergraduate, we had a gentleman who was a CEO of a large company, and he was speaking about his own conversion experience. And as he was speaking, he was talking about in his younger years after he had graduated and got his master's and began to work in the world of all the things that he was trying to accomplish in order to get ahead, in order to get on top, in order to achieve all of these things. And someone asked him as he went through his whole story, if there was one thing that you could have known in your undergraduate years that would have helped you on the journey, what would that be? And he just smiled and he said, I wish someone would have told me that when you get to the top of this world, there is nothing there. When you get to the top of whatever it is you're trying to reach by your ambition or your pride or your accomplishments, it's all going to lead to eventual emptiness. Because he said it wasn't rooted in God. It was rooted in him and his pride and what he could achieve. And oftentimes, my friends, that's where we find ourselves on the journey. There was a historian who wrote that basically, if you look over the course of history, from the beginning, he notes that there are three great fears. Three great fears over the course of history. He says, before the Christian era, it was the fear of death. The fear of death was the primary fear. Then he says, after the Christian era and into the Middle Ages, it was the fear of guilt. You all know about Catholic guilt, don't you? The fear of guilt. He said, today, in our own century, in our own time, it's not really the fear of death or the fear of guilt. It's the fear of meaninglessness. The fear that nothing has meaning. Nothing can satisfy me. Those questions that often we ask. What is the meaning of life? Why am I here? What is the end of all of this? What am I trying to achieve or accomplish? He says that is the greatest fear. And you see, my brothers and sisters, it, be, it is because of that fear which not only exists in our own time, but has existed since the beginning of history, that Jesus came into the world to save us from our sin, to redeem us and to renew us, and to show us that yes, Life does have meaning when we focus ourselves on the Lord. That's why at the end of the discourse from this section, 
of the Bread of Life discourse, Jesus says, I am the Bread of Life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. That Jesus is the Bread of Life, and that we need to hunger for Him. We need to thirst for Him. And when we do, my friends, we will find great meaning, and we will find great joy, and we will find great hope, and we find all of those things at this altar. And when we find all of these things at this altar, we go forth strengthened by He who is the bread of life. Yesterday, I had to fly out for an event in Houston, and so I flew back in the evening, same day, and so I got home in the late afternoon, and so there's things you have to do, so I needed to go to the grocery. So there I was in the evening at Rouse's in the checkout line. And so I'm standing there, and there is a mother with her young son in front of me. And I'm listening to the conversation because certainly they were quite loud. And there was this argument going on because it looked like the young boy wanted one of the candies from the rack. And the mother was saying, no, you can't have it. No, you can't have it. And she got so frustrated that she said to him, just look. Life is hard, and then you die. Now, she didn't use the word hard, she used another colorful word, but since we have children in church, I'm not going to use exactly what she said. But that's the gist of it. And while we laugh at that, my friends, I wonder sometimes if that's really how we live our life, by that philosophy. That you know what, life is just hard, life is just terrible, and then we just die. That's meaninglessness. That's not what Jesus desires. It's that kind of philosophy where there is no joy. There's only what we call fun in this world. There is no hope. All there is is Tylenol and aspirin. It's the meaninglessness. But we come around this altar, my brothers and sisters, because we are a people who believe. I am the bread of life, Jesus says to us. You will never hunger and you will never thirst the great thirst of the soul, the great hunger of our very being. What is our life's philosophy? It is, in, is it enriched by who we are and whose we are as a people of God? Or is just life hard, then you die? You see, my brothers and sisters, as we continue to live out the call of being a disciple of the Lord Jesus, Jesus desires to feed us, to strengthen us, to mold us, to melt us, to give us hope and healing, to show us his mercy. But he desires us not to feed on the things of the world, because when we do, it's only going to bring emptiness and heartache and hardship. He desires us to feed on him at this altar, bring it all to the altar, hopes, joys, sorrows, whatever it is and allow Jesus to transform it and be strengthened by the Eucharistic food that never perishes, that doesn't have an expiration date on it, that doesn't go moldy in the refrigerator. But feed, my friends, on Jesus himself. And when you and I do that, our life takes on a whole new meaning.